Welcome to Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dane, the clean approach to building your successful business. Now, let's introduce Tom Borg and Dr. Dave Miles. Welcome to Business Smarts Radio with Tom and Dr. Dave, where we bring you the clean approach to building your successful business. And when we mean clean, we're not talking about spick and span and dust mops. This podcast is all about the acronym CLEAN. We're all about communication, leadership, engagement. And no drama. And no drama. So today we have a special for you. We have a series that we're going to be doing on the four strategies to navigate the next four quarters. So really what we're looking at is four key areas that companies and businesses and nonprofits would be well advised to take a look at and maybe address over the next 12 months. And we, when we looked at that, we were looking at actually things like well, what to do over the next year, over the next six months. And, and honestly, can you really think of exactly what your business and what the landscape is going to be like 12 months from now? I mean, 12 months ago, there's no way you could have seen this probably back in March and April, because you know, we're in September and uh, maybe by the time this comes out, you're close to October of um, in that time frame, fall of 2020. Did anybody think in March and April that we would still be kind of where we're at, depending on what part of the country you're at, in September or in the fall? Nobody would have thought that. So we kind of wanted to take the approach of taking it quarter by quarter. So four areas of concern that you would want to take a look at, really four strategies to navigate those next four quarters. And the four things that we're going to be looking at over the next series of four podcasts are this. One, employee stress levels. Okay. Two is communication. Three is emotional intelligence. And four is adjusting to the changes. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about employee stress levels. So what are your thoughts, Tom, uh, before we get into some of the questions, what are some of your thoughts on just on generally about employees and management stress levels? Well, one thing's for sure. There are stress levels that are elevated during this time. We've got people that are working from home and they've got issues balancing that that scenario where they've got children or they've got spouses working there. Now these people are together for the first time like this ever possibly. So how do you balance that? That's a concern. At the same time, people have got concerns about, well, uh, if I do have to come into work on a periodic basis, I don't think I'm going to be too sure that I'm going to be as healthy as I, I could be by just staying home. If I just stayed home rather than going to the office, I might be safer at home. So these are some other areas that are going through people's minds. So I think it's important to get an understanding of where your people are when it comes to their stress levels and what they're thinking and what their fears and concerns are. This is true. And, and like I said, it's a lot of ways totally unprecedented. And we were kind of laughing beforehand. I mean, it's one of the things that seems like the, um, the cortisol and the adrenaline have been talked about the stress hormones have been flowing kind of like the Mississippi River. I mean, they have been no shortage of stress and stress hormones and, you know, just in general, just detrimental effects overall, just from a psychological and, and, um, and, and psychiatric background and social background and not just, you know, there's always trade-offs when it comes to you know, protecting your health. But when you're staying away from people, we're social creatures and by nature, and we've had, you know, years and years and years of that's just how we are. And to, to have any, for whatever reason, to be away from that, is very tough. And even with, uh, and it, it does produce a lot of stress. And think about what is the worst thing that if you go to prison, what is the absolute worst punishment that they have? I mean, beyond the 
death penalty for murderers. But I mean, beyond that, what is the worst thing they do to you in prison? If you act up, you misbehave, something happens, you, you know, cause some problems. What's, what do they do? What's the worst thing they do? Solitary they, confinement. Uh, they put number, you in solitary. Yeah, they put you in solitary. They put you by yourself. And think about it. You almost had the whole country for a, for a while. It's getting a lot better now. But you think about the stress that comes with that. And so how has that manifested itself into the workplace? And, what, and maybe what can you do to, to do that? So we had a couple of questions that we wanted to do. Is how has the following affected not just your employee stress levels, but your management stress levels? Do so you think about it? I mean, we're always talking about the employees, which we really need to be focused on. We're there to serve them because they're the ones that are there serving our customers. But honestly, what kind of tolls are taking on your leadership and your management too? But we had a couple of questions. Like one, uh, workplace adjustment. How has the following affected your employee and management stress levels in response to workplace adjustments? What are some examples of the like remote versus in-person work? I mean, do you have staggered hours? Do you have staggered days? What other adjustments do you have? I mean, so how has that really affected the stress level? How those workplace adjustments affected your the stress levels? Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Dave, I know we know in some cases with some of our clients that actually has uh, lowered their stress levels in some ways where they don't have to commute back and forth to work. They're at home, it saves them time in terms of driving, but also the stress levels of driving and heavy traffic. So in some ways, it's been a positive, uh, has had a, a positive effect on the employee's stress levels by working from home. So that's one good thing. Now, of course, the other thing that falls into place there is you've got a family together, as we mentioned a couple moments ago, uh, now we've got all these people in a small space for 24-7, and now that's going to create some stress. So there's kind of a yin-yang effect going on there in that respect. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that because there's a lot of times where people have asked about working from home for years. There's a lot of management that is really not – there's good reasons for it is what I was going to say is sometimes you have folks that – have been very much on the micromanaging end. And sometimes, like I said, great reasons for it. Sometimes it's just insecurities on their part that there's no way that these employees would do any work if, they, if I wasn't there watching over them like a hawk all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think what they, they, the good part, you're right, you said, is opened up the fact that we can work together or we can remotely and still be able to actually be productive. And so it dep obviously depending on the industry, there's some things that just – there's no way you can stock a shelf. There's no way you can start an IV. There's no way you can you know, perform an operation. There's certain things you just physically can't do you know, from home. But where you can work from home, it makes it nice that, like I said, a lot of people have been asking for that work-life balance, but it's almost like retirement. I'll give you a great example. Mm -hmm. If you're, you're looking forward to retirement, and then all of a sudden, okay, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. The beach and the margaritas and the travel. I'm getting you know, Mrs. and I can get in an RV and we can just go. And so you're you've built up to that point. Then when you put in your retirement papers, you get the gold watch, you had the party, you go about your business. You've mentally prepared for that. So think about all the times that we have asked for remote workplaces. But then all of a sudden, you said, "Oh gosh, I really would like to swim in that swimming pool." Then all of a sudden, somebody just jumps, uh, pushes you into the deep end. Splash. It's freezing cold, right. And it's freezing cold because you it's beginning of the season. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you're just the shock of it all. Now, once you get used to it, like it's not bad, but that's different. And think about it. Even though it's a great thing that, okay, we're eliminating the commute or whatever. It just, there's still that level of stress where 
I didn't set up a home office beforehand. I didn't mentally get all my ducks in a row to prepare to remove myself from the office environment and go from home. So you got to think about even if it's a good thing and it does reduce the commute and it is something people have been asking for. And now several months after it, they're starting to adjust to it. Like, okay, this isn't bad. I can see, you know, working from home, even if we could come back to the office, even a few days a week would just would be great. Just because of that abrupt change, I think, even if it's something we asked for, it still can end up being a stressful situation. So I think that's just something to think about um, um, going forward, which I think we've probably, I think kind of to the crest of that people, like I said, are starting to become a little bit more used to working from home. Yes. And I think that's, like I said, uh, somewhat of a, a positive, I believe. And I think in, uh, in the big scheme of things, once um, I believe the figures that I saw recently was that it saves companies about $11,000 per year per employee having them work from home. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously it could have some, you know, some stressful effects on the management. Okay. Well, how much commercial real estate do we need to keep? Yes. How much death space do we need to keep? Mm-hmm. If we are able to downsize. Are we able to, to, you know, turn just do that go towards, you know, stock options or do that all, does some of that go towards the employees? Cause just being honest, it's not, you still, there's still an expense for working from home, even though you're not commuting. You don't Absolutely. have the expense of the commuting, but maybe the extra, extra, extra electricity. Yeah. Like they get from that, Dave, is that uh, sometimes they just can't be as effective um, working from home. In other words, you need some, in some cases, face-to-face interaction. Uh, you need that, the exchange of ideas. Maybe there's something physical they're working with that's right there in front of them. So that, can hamper the effectiveness of a company where the employees are actually distance, uh, physically distanced from one location to another. So that's yeah. something else that can cause a, a bit of a, a problem in that mix. What I think you're absolutely right. Cause I mean, think about the last time, maybe last year that you had a in-person brainstorming session. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the, the work that either of us do is, you know, on the facilitator end of it. I mean, when you're sitting there with a whiteboard and a flip chart and you get people that are, like I said, there's an energy in the room and ideas are bouncing off of each other and, you know, wow. you can really kind of pin some of that stuff down. It's very difficult to recreate that over an email thread. That's right. And even over a Zoom meeting sometimes. Exactly. There's certain vibrations, uh, emotions, feelings. You can pick up people's body language. Certainly a lot easier face-to-face. Uh, just the minor comments that are made that are picked up. So yes, face-to-face is never going to be replaced by a Zoom call in total. But yeah. the fact is, Zoom's the next best thing. Go yeah, ahead. and I'll be honest with you, there's some, there's some times when you're trying to meet with a client or whatever that just to be able to see the interaction that you can works out so much better over Zoom necessarily than just picking up the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, because you do pick up so much more than that. And one-on-one, fantastic. Small group, amazing. If you're physically trying to focus on, because uh, this one physician that I listen to quite a bit, and he talks about Zoom fatigue, and if you're trying to focus on too many pictures at one time, the Brady Bunch, but we got 60 people in a room at one time, you know, or, or 20 people in at one time, and you're trying to focus, it makes it really difficult mm-hmm. to do that. So, so, so there are some issues with that as well. But that's what we're talking about: stress coming from workplace adjustments. You know, and how does that? The second part of it is what, how as social distancing, masks, things like that, uh, affected employee management stress levels. 
you know, just something to ask. I mean, uh, one example is I've seen a lot is when you're in a common area, you mask up in a common area. And then when you're in your you know personal office with the door closed, then you're fine to take that off. I mean, just, but how does that affect the stress levels? I mean, when you're used to being able to sit with people at lunch and be able to talk to them, if you are back at the office, I mean, mm-hmm. how is that social distancing and mask been able to, um, yeah, how's that affected stress levels for people? Well, not that, Dave. It also affects communication. You're masked up. It's harder to hear the other person. Uh, you, it, it happens time and time again. People ask to, be re, uh, to repeat what they said. Uh, it's hard to uh, get that message through. Uh, if you have a proper mask on, that's really going right. to hold back the, uh, the aerosol that comes from a person's uh, breath. So it, that's, that does create some physical challenges there, even though you're face-to-face that mask on Mm. and you mentioned about reading body language i mean we there's so much that's unconscious in our psyche how we read body language how we look at the uh, facial expressions tonality things like that you know a little smirk from the the face or the cheek or something and you know you just you miss a little bit of that when let's say just because you can't see it from the mask you can kind of read somebody's eyes and see they're smiling through their eyes so to speak but yeah, like I said, there is a few things that you do um, miss even face-to-face where at least you can pick that up to a certain degree a little bit better over Zoom when you don't have that. So it's just an idea, you know, just something to think about when you talk about employee and management stress levels because it does affect both. It's harder. Um, it is harder. No doubt about it. It's harder to, to uh, communicate. It's harder to connect with people. But we've got to adjust, and that's, that's part of the stress yeah. problems. Right, and that adjustment is is difficult and can cause a lot of stress. And you know, the third one that we looked at is how is cleaning different cleaning protocols? Now it varies by industry, but how are these different, say, legal requirements beyond the distancing of the mask? Mm-hmm. We just grouped it all under cleaning protocols. How right. are they? How are they affecting your stress levels from you and the management? I, I talked to a restaurant owner like once an hour. We have to go through and thoroughly disinfect everything in the restaurant. Yes. You know, which is awesome, but I mean, in, in some ways, it's like, wow, it's if you have reduced staff and you have to, or a reduced capacity, but you have to keep on this extra staff to be able to, to meet the extra high requirements, even though you need the high requirements, you know, at some point with as thin of margins as they are in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. you know, the thought is, well, how, how does somebody make it with when the margins are so tight at 100% capacity? Yeah, you know, so that's a that's a big level of stress for the business owner and for the management. Wow, it's definitely a challenge that uh, people are going to need to address as they go through whatever your business might be. You know, what, yeah. it's, for some businesses, it's really uh, affected them where their their profitability is way down, the the amount of customers they're able to serve is way down. Others, it's way up, and that that's good in some ways, but it also creates more stress because now they've got to be able to meet these higher customer demand and like you just mentioned a moment ago, keep the, the cleaning protocol up to, to standards. Yeah, and it varies by industry. I mean, restaurants are going to be completely different than in, than an industrial manufacturing plant that's going to be different than retail. Do you mm-hmm. deal with outside customers like a Costco or like a, a grocery store or a Sam's Club or a Walmart, or do you deal with internal staff only? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you, you screen and health check everybody and they yeah. wash up whatever coming in and you're only dealing with internal staff, Yes, there may be a different set of protocols in dealing with outside customers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it varies. But, yes, that's definitely a, a big stressor on what to do. And I think the last one that is probably the most important area that you want to you know, ask, how has your management and your staff dealt with this is just, in general, work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how's it going at home? 
How's the wife and kids taking all this? How are how is the health of your family? If you have any uh, elderly uh, parents that you're either living with or looking in on, or, or at least keeping in touch with to keep in, to make sure that they're still healthy, how's that affecting their overall mindset? Because that does affect their their personal performance on the job, no doubt about it. You've got to have your emotional mindset in the right place, or you're going to be suffering. Yeah, I mean, you think about and depending on the area of the country you're in, kids are back in school or they're not. Are they back for a couple of days? Are they remote learning only? And basically you have to, and now it's basically on to homeschool. So what do you do? I mean, sometimes you have husband or wife, both or both partners working from home. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've limited space and like you said, you haven't prepared for that as if, hey, we both run businesses that are separate or we both work in the same business that we're able to have an office at the house. And we've kind of mentally and physically prepared for that. That's different than we only have a limited amount of bandwidth. We mm-hmm. have one kitchen table. Okay. Right. We have one, you know, so how, where do we, and we both had to get on the phone. I can't be on the, on the counter or the bar and you're on the table and we're both trying to talk on the phone. You know what I mean? It just, what do you do? You hide in the closet. You try to be a little bit extra productive in the, in the bathroom. I mean, you know, at some point it's like, where do you hide? Uh, where do you hide to get that? piece and productivity and then not even talk about it. Oh, now I have to deal with the, the, you know, the kids that they're not going back to school because I've got some friends of mine now that are really stressing out about the fact that, Hey, they, they have to work. They're having to work remotely and the kids are home. It's like, well, how, how can I continue to juggle that? You know, at some point something's going to break and, you know, hopefully it's not them. You know, you want well, them to, hey, that's a great point there. And that's where, the communication process at home has to be picked up. And that is, uh, it's an unusual situation. Spouses need to get together, get a, ca- a game plan of some kind, how they are going to do that, not just try to do it impromptu and figure out a system, a schedule, uh, a way to do it where everybody's needs are met and they're able to perform their duties as a uh, worker for your organization or for their respective organization. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. So, I mean, those are just the four things to think about as far as finding out how those four things have really affected the employee and the management stress levels. So you, cause you don't want to forget about that. You don't want to forget about the stress of your management, even if you, and how if you're the business owner or the CEO, the stress that it may have on you as well. Cause it's, you know, there's different levels of stress all throughout the organization, depending that's, on your responsibility. level. That's where that, that leader needs to constantly check in. Hey, how's it going? Uh, take some time to just uh, get candid with them, uh, ask about how the home life is going, how are they handling all that, and just keep a pulse on that yeah. on a consistent basis just because it's it's a tough time. It's unprecedented in terms of what we've all experienced in the past. So this is a special time to take on some special strategies. Yeah, and speaking about that, like I said, we had a couple of strategies that we want to do. Uh, very simple, very just common sense that we wanted to throw out there that um, the first one was exactly what you said, get a pulse from your people, mm-hmm. you know, and there's certain levels that you can ask and not ask. You were talking about with wife and kids, but you know, how's this, how is your stress level? Some organizations work fine with, you can do this in person. You can do it very informally and that's the best way to do it. You know, just, even if you're working remotely, just pick up the phone, you know, Hey, John, Hey Sue, Hey Bill, Hey, how's it going? Yes. I think, well, is there anything I can do for you? How you how are you doing personally? How are you doing professionally? You know, you, you don't have to get into 
details that are non HR compliant, so to speak, to uh, to really show that you are authentic and you actually care about your employees. You really want to know how they're doing That's because right. you, they're integral to your success, and you have to make sure and and give them what they need for them to be able to do a good job. So you know how are they doing? Just really get a pulse, and that could be informally. That could be more of a formal kind of a sit down, almost like a, an interview, kind of a one-on-one -on -one type of thing. Uh, you know, depends on your organization and depending on the size of the organization. It may be one of those things that I just don't feel comfortable talking to my supervisor or the, the manager or the director or whoever on how things are going. Cause you know, the drill, if you're, I think Marshall Goldsmith talked about it. If you know, when the Admiral asks a question, it's never a question. It's always an order. You know, the, the, uh, the guy, you know, just got out of boot camp. He's not taking it as a question. He's not taking it. It's an order. That's right. So when you, when the CEO, when the director, when the VP comes around, Hey, how's everything going? What, what are they going to say? If you're six levels above the organization, what are they going to say? Oh man, it's terrible. You might have one or two people that tell you an honest answer. Oh, chief is going great. I mean, what? What do you what, what do you expect them to say? You know, when the CEO for the hospital system comes around and they're like, you know, comes into the lunchroom, hey man, how's it going? How are things going? Oh, it's going great, boss. I mean, what are you gonna say? The thing they're gonna say, oh man, it's it sucks, it's awful, it's this, it's that. Sometimes it's tough to gauge that. So you're better off when you. It's so important to really get a pulse from your people and not just what 16 levels of management are telling you. Mm-hmm. But to really get down and find out exactly what it is. So one, if for the larger organizations, what may be good is on the small, encourage your leaders to get a pulse on the small end of it. Yeah, on a regular individual, on the end, on a regular basis, individual end, formally or informally, kind of, hey, how things going? How yeah. you know, just just communicate with your people. But mm -hmm. on a bigger organizational level, it may be advantageous to look at something like an anonymous assessment. You know, if you're looking at uh, some kind of questionnaire or assessment, for example, with a lot of our clients, we use this, this trust quotient. You can figure out what is the stress level kind of of your management team in general, because you're their boss. But then you can also break it down by manager or by director or by VP or by whatever, and actually figure out, okay, are there significant differences in these levels of stress amongst managers. And so that way it may be a people issue as much as it is an environmental issue, stress issue, you know, whatever. So I think those types of tools, however you can do it to get a pulse from your people. Well, another nice thing, important. Dave, another nice thing about these tools we know is that it also gives us ways to cope with those issues. So where you identify the stress levels through that instrument and yeah. we're able to suggest certain strategies to deal with that stress. So that's a great tool for the manager to work with their employees. Once they have that report back, Hey, here's some things I can do with Joe to help him be more uh, effective and less stressed out on the job. So it's something yeah. that can not only identify the stress, but give us some solutions on how to, to work through that stress. Right. And there's uh, several different ways to do it. If I like, for example, if I was working with say a, a business owner, leader, CEO man, and a management team, I would probably want the management team that might be more of a, you could do it. And honestly, you could do it with the, with the names on it. That would be fine. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But there's some folks that when they know their name is on it, they're not going to give you as honest of an answer as it is anonymously. So mm -hmm. sometimes you might say, okay, well, 
Sue is my VP of whatever, and I'm gonna, you know, and I've got six of them. I'm gonna check all six of these divisions, and so basically, all of Sue's people, all of Bill's people, all of John's people, that you know, they're answering to them. So John's the only one that's actually doing this with their name on it, and everybody else below them is um, anonymous. So that way, there is no issue with. I want to tell them what just what they want to hear, or is it going to come back to bite me, or whatever. You know what? You're better off with the data than you are, and then find out where the issues are, then be able to dig and probe from there. So I think there's a lot of value, sort of like with the employee engagement surveys. There's a lot of value in being able to get, I think, sometimes better data mm-hmm. with that anonymity than. Uh, and then that's where you dig down when you're on a smaller scale, more personal, one-on-one with your direct reports under that informal manner on, hey, how are things going? And That would be and the way to go. From there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So get a general pulse uh, so it's less, uh, 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 it's more anonymous, so to speak, for the person taking the assessment. But at the same time, then when you have that report one-on-one with their supervisor or their manager, they can get into some of the strategies to help them cope with that stress, although that's elevated at that, at that time. Yeah, and, and honestly, like I said, it, it really depends on the type of industry you're in and the size of the organization. But the bigger the organization, the more that CEO, the more that uh, executive director really needs to find out the pulse of the frontline staff, the people that's on the right. ground. And unfortunately, sometimes they can be skewed a little bit when you're talking about because if if I'm in middle management, do I want to tell my boss that everybody below me is uh, losing their mind? Mm. I want to you know, that they're all stressed or they're ticked or they're whatever. No, of course, I, it makes me look bad. So, and, I, and I don't blame them. I, I get it. I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that's just life. That's human nature. You know, it's very difficult to take bad news up to the boss. It makes you look bad. You know, why, why do you want to do that? But, you, but the person above that, you need to be able to get that information. Absolutely. Well. If you're going to run your company... And like we're talking about, this is over the next 12 months. We're trying to be able to strategize, get the information we need, then then put together a strategy that's going to help us do the right things. So, again, 12 number months. Number one. Go ahead. You're right. Number one. I was just saying, get a pulse from your people. That's, yes. know, that's exactly what we were saying. Let's get an initial, just a baseline. Where mm-hmm. is everybody at? And then what's number two? Uh well, the next thing we want to do is uh, deal with um, are you talking about the social distancing. We're going to talk about playing with your people. What work? What would work well to mitigate it? So, for example, once we get a pulse from our people, mm-hmm. I want to, we want to plan with them, not for them, but with them. That's the mm-hmm. big deal. Plan with your people. What would work well to kind of mitigate some of that stress? Right. It doesn't. It shouldn't all be top down. Get yep. some of the best ideas from them. Um, I listened to a podcast yesterday, as a matter of fact, and the guy interviewing was asking, why did you want to start your gym franchise or whatever um, in a franchise model instead of just you own the companies? And it's like, I wanted a franchise model because I felt like I had more people with more skin in the game that could come up with more creative ideas. And he used the example of McDonald's. He said, you know, the dollar menu and the McFlurry, and he started giving three or four examples. Hmm. So those all came from franchise owners. Hmm. They, like, they didn't come from the actual, the company, the top down. Um, you know, they came from the bottom up. You know, hmm. and they were some of their most popular things that they've ever done. And so right. how can you empower your people and plan with your people to uh, make it? I know it's not exactly, but you know, give them some ownership. You know, think of it as more of a franchise model. Their department, their division, their job, their desk. I mean, how could they – That they own that. They, they're they responsible for that. How can they have their input in it? 
like we've mentioned before in other podcasts, people don't argue with their own data. So it's just smart to get people to be able to contribute to the solution that we're trying to put together here. And they're going to own it. They're going to own it much quicker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So number one, get a pulse from your people, at least an initial baseline. Number two, plan with your your people. Do well to mitigate it within reason. Here's the thing. You still got to run a business. Mm -hmm. But what new, what innovative ideas can you use to get the job done? Yes, but, you, but in the bottom line, it would be great if we could all just work from the beach and maybe right. that little thing in the back on the Zoom background with the little palm tree going is it an actual uh, virtual background? That's for real, you know. We're all on the beach with the, yeah. with the you know, with a little mai tai or something like that, and, and just stuff gets yeah. done. But you know what? That's not real life. You know, we nope. still got to run a business. And so whether it's in person with social distancing with masks, whether it's in person, however it's done, yep. we still got to get the job done. Okay, then so what, what was the third thing? Go ahead. Is rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. Go ahead. Because once and done is not going to do it. No. I found out what's stressing my people out, and we executed a plan to fix it. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for you, Sparky, but guess what? That's once. Mm-hmm. Things stay change. With stay with the plan. Mm-hmm. If you noticed, <laughs> you're not doing a lot of three and five year planning right this second. I mean, like I said, we talked about this being four strategies to navigate the next four quarters. You're looking to look at things. Hey, what are we going to do for the next month, for the next six weeks, for the next quarter? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just being honest. I mean, for now to the end of the year, what are we going to do between now and the end of the year? We've got, you know, at the time of this recording, half of September, you know, they got October, November, December of 2020. So you got, okay, I've got the last quarter. How am I going to get just, how am I going to get to January 1? Mm-hmm. You know, and then just kind of put this rinse and repeat thing. And then let's say the cycle might be different, maybe quarterly, maybe monthly, maybe, you know, every so many weeks. But honestly, for the one-on-one informal stuff, you should be checking in every week or every two weeks with your people. How are you doing? How are things going? Just very quick, a minute or two. Not yeah, It doesn't need to be a formal hour-long meeting, formal sit-down type of thing. Just how are things going? How are you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? What do you need from us? those type of things yeah but, but those continued pulse checks with the people will gauge how things are going and that will give you the opportunity to readjust and make course corrections that's right so any uh any thoughts on kind of that continued process i think the key is just to be consistent uh with that and be sincere and i think if we put those three steps together that's going to help a huge amount in helping us make the best of these next 12 months that we've got to d- deal with, with this COVID experience we're all going through right now. Well, I think that's a great thing for people to do. So like I said, ask uh, how's workplace adjustments, social distancing, cleaning protocols, general work-life balance affected your management and employee stress levels. And then just a real easy strategy to figure out how to put this together, to get a pulse from your people, most important thing. Mm-hmm. Plan with your people on what you would do to work well to mitigate you know, within reason. And then rinse and repeat. It's just not, remember, that's not a one and done thing. Oh, I came in my once a year and did the employee engagement survey. Everything's fine till the next year. It's no different than doing the, your annual eval. You know, if your annual evals are in March and you tell me in March that something last April I should have done differently, man, that's bad, right, too late and that's bad news. Like if you'd have told me in April, I could have fixed it and got my 3% this year. You know, so those type of, those type of annual things, you just you constantly have to be checking in. And you're at different levels and different levels of formality and complexity. But yes, just continue poll checks with your people to see how things are going and be willing to readjust because 
things are constantly changing. So any final words for the listeners? I think the key is to take some of these ideas we've talked about today, try them out, see how they work. Uh, if you have questions about them, give us a call or contact us. But the key is do something with it. That's the key. You do that, you'll get some better results. Sounds great. I definitely think so. And like I said, I think that's one thing that will definitely help you in the next four quarters. So in our next episode, we're going to be talking about communication. Hmm. And so since we're all about communication, leadership, engagement, and no drama, drama then it fits well with our, <laughs> with our topics to be talking about some of the next strategies for the next four quarters to make communication. So hmm. we will see you in episode two of the four strategies to navigate the next four quarters where we'll be talking about communication. Thank you for tuning into Business Smarts Radio. We're bringing you the clean approach to building your successful business. And like we said, we're not talking about spick and span and dust bombs. We're talking about the acronym CLEAN. It's all about communication, which is the next episode, leadership, engagement, and no drama. And no drama. So until next week, no drama. Take care. <laughs>